It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. I'm happy for Lapalise that he's going to get another head coaching opportunity. Unfortunately for him, he's coming into a team that was the worst team in the league. That doesn't always get you the best opportunity to turn things around. But like I said, they're kind of starting from the bottom and, and nowhere to go but up. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Welcome everyone to Third Down Gamble, and tonight it's Heath Graham and Don Charbon, and we're going to see if we can keep this roadster on the highway with some, what I hope is good picks. (laughs) I think picking teams in the West is a lot more difficult than picking teams in the East. I had a pretty good inkling of how I think everybody's going to finish in the East, but it's going to be a real crapshoot out here in the Wild West. Yes, I would agree. I think that the West is so much more of a difficult uh, horse to call in any race than the East was. The East, you had some strength in Hamilton and Montreal, the unknown in Toronto, and the probably rebuild year that is going to be Ottawa's. Having said that, you go out West and you've got that quarterback arsenal all over the place. And all they need is somebody to catch the ball and an offensive line to keep them on their feet and away they go. That's the part that makes it so difficult because there are so many good quarterbacks in the West. Not that there aren't in the East. They're all great. The overall gaps between them is a little bit tighter than maybe in the East. I agree. I think realistically there could be a difference of four wins between first and last in the West. It's going to be that tight quarterback health is going to be key to the success of the teams that finish in those top three spots. If all the quarterbacks stay healthy, look out, it's going to be entertaining. Um, If one team loses a starting quarterback for a few weeks, it is going to be catastrophic for their playoff chances. It's going to be who gets in sync with their offense the fastest, then ultimately who makes the most of games at home. BC especially has a great opportunity because the majority of their games in the West are at home in Vancouver. Part of that is two games against Edmonton, which are both in Vancouver. So they could really dictate terms if they play well at home. Do you think home field advantage is going to be a big key in a shortened season like this? I really do believe so. It is in most seasons. Now, granted, of all the major sports, football is probably the lowest in terms of percentage of home team wins, but it's still over 50 So if you can up that ante to say 60 to 65, then that's an extra win in a short season. If you get to 70, that's another win in a short season. If you win five out of seven at home or six out of seven at home, that almost puts you in the playoffs unto itself. So let's look at the picks for the West here. Um, Who do you think is going to have a great start to the season or a bit of a surprise? Or who are you picking to be the big dogs here in the West? As we sort of elocuted just a few moments ago, it's going to be a tough, tough ask to figure out who's the best of the best. A team that could surprise are the Calgary Stampeders. And you may think, well, why would they be a surprise? Well, they didn't have a great 2019. They finished, yes, second in the West. They sort of stumbled into it. And part of it was that Bo Levy Mitchell was out for part of the year. 
and their defense just wasn't up to its previous prowess. So I think the Stampeders could be the the team that could surprise, that they may get it together and may be the team that pulls ahead of everyone else. I don't know if they'll finish first, but I do believe that they're in the conversation. I went the other way with Calgary. I think it's a Calgary team on the decline. Um, I, I think that 2019, you saw them be no longer the dominant force in the West. And you saw an emerging Saskatchewan and an emerging Winnipeg. Uh, granted, Winnipeg did lose their starting quarterback for a little while. Um, they kind of held things together as best they could with Chris Strevler at the helm. And then come playoff time, they lit everybody up. We may be seeing the end of the Calgary dynasty, if you will. Now, I move teams around in order from one through five a few times. And I'm going to sound like a bit of a homer here, but I think if Zach Caleros stays healthy, Winnipeg's the team to beat in the West. So I'm, I'm going to give you my my ranking of how they're going to finish in, in my prediction. So I think Caleros stays healthy, has a great comeback season. They win the West. I think Edmonton creeps up and takes the second spot. I think Saskatchewan and Edmonton are going to be very tight between second and third. The Riders finish in third place, then Calgary, then BC. But again, throw a blanket over these teams and any little blip and one team can move up and one team can move down. Saskatchewan starts the season home. Two of their offensive linemen are gone, Labatt and Cofield, which means they have to slot in somebody into those positions. Now, Labatt especially is a huge loss because he could play both center and guard. That means that Fajardo may not have as much protection back there as he enjoyed in 2019. And if that's the case and he's having to run a lot more, that may cause him to get beat up a little bit sooner. And as a result, Saskatchewan could be in a lot tougher of a spot. The thing that really saves Winnipeg is that that defense is still stout. It's got Willie Jefferson, and that is almost a menace unto itself. Yeah, what more do you need? And it's funny you mentioned Saskatchewan's offensive line because initially, when I was ranking the teams, I had the Riders winning the West. And then I looked at Brandon Labatt opting out, like you said. So they're losing two starting offensive linemen. A backup offensive lineman in Braden Schramm actually has retired now as well. So he's a, a, a guy that they could plug in and, and he's no longer available. So that is exactly why I had the Riders sliding from first down to third as I started to kind of shuffle the deck a little bit. And Winnipeg, like I said, defense is stout. They've got the two elite guys in the middle in uh, in Willie Jefferson and Adam Big Hill, the middle linebacker spot. Um, the offense has stayed pretty intact as well. So like I said, it really rides on the health of Zach Caleros. But they've also got their big dogs on that offensive line back. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick is back. He's a big part of that. And uh, they're going to keep that quarterback protected, I hope. And that's going to lead them probably... Now, I know we said 10 wins was going to win the East. Um, the West is going to be really competitive. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it's a 10-4 and four team that takes the West as well. I just don't see anybody running away and getting 11 wins or 12 wins in this tough competitive division. I'll be surprised if anyone gets past nine. A nine and five record may get you first place in the West and a six and eight record may not make it. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be, you know, three, four games separating top and bottom. 
it's going to be exciting and there's going to be some really meaningful games down the stretch in some not so comfortable weather um, and that can be a factor too right we're going to get some some weird late games which could result in blizzards could result in ice storms cold wind who knows what it's going to bring and that can turn a game right around well let's look back to the 2018 gray cup in edmonton where it wasn't exactly that cold that day but because the field had not been tarped and then there was a freezing rain event a few days earlier that field was as solid as ice could be and it really impacted the way the game was played and I think that was most unfortunate massive western matchups Saskatchewan versus Edmonton for example are happening Friday night in November weather could be huge in terms of how those games play out and it's not simply a case of how cold it could get but like you alluded to, there could be snow on the ground. There could be ice on the ground. It really could impact. And, and it's not so much that it, it gives one or the other team an advantage, but it does play up on turnovers. Yeah, I think if you've got an offense that's capable and comfortable in that cold weather, it can be an advantage. And it usually in the bad weather, you see low scores and it really kind of gives the defense that, that advantage. But if you've got somebody... Uh, a running back, for example, that's got the traction figured out and can start busting through some of those lines, it's a real game changer. You're not going to see many 40-yard passes. You might see some 10-yard passes with a 30-yard a uh, after the catch if a guy is elusive enough to get around those defenders, but it's a totally different ball game. Speaking of the weather, one thing that had me really waffling on whether or not to put the Bombers on the top is they're going with a rookie kicker this year. They're going from arguably the best kicker in the league over the last five seasons to now an unproven guy. And if they don't get out of the gate strong and they're looking for wins down the stretch, is he the guy that's going to get them the, the wins? I certainly hope he is, but you never know with an untested rookie kicker coming into a windy stadium. If I'm looking at the CFL West and ranking one through five, and this is, if it was an 18 game schedule, I think I'd be a little bit more confident, but on 14, like you say, it could be a missed field goal, a fumble, an interception, a pick six, something that could just flip a win. I'm leaning towards Winnipeg finishing first just because of that defense. That defensive line is outstanding. Second overall, I think I'm looking at Calgary, that the Stampeders will bounce back. BC will be third, Saskatchewan fourth, and Edmonton last. I'm writing these down so we can compare notes later on in the season. <laughs> How dare you archive this material? <laughs> Again, it's it's not easy. It it and it's not even that I think Edmonton is a weak team. It's just that somebody's got to be there. Oh, exactly. And you know, like I said, I think BC is going to be much improved, but I'm still picking them to finish out of the playoffs. <laughs> Who knows? The thing that got me interested about BC is that their offensive line seems to be together. And the one thing that Mike Riley in his 2019 campaign with them was that he was under siege most of the, the time. In fact, they gave up over 50 sacks. And he took a, a world of a beating throughout that season until finally he was knocked out. The Lions, to me, with Bates as their offensive line coach, I think made great strides. And I think with that offensive line coming together, I think that the Lions, their defense is reasonable. It was just that Riley didn't have time to find his receivers. Now, Jerron Carter isn't there anymore, so now he's got a different set of deep threats to look at. 
BC will probably, just the way the schedule is too, they get more of the Western dates at home. I think that that will benefit them and I think that they'll, they'll max out on it. Well, anything's possible. We both can be completely wrong in, in these picks too. You never know. We, uh, other than both picking Winnipeg to finish in the top spot, we don't have anybody else in the same slot through the, the next four. So anything's possible. And, and like I said, it's going to be really entertaining and there's going to be some super important games coming down the stretch, uh, playing for that home field playoff, playing for that last playoff spot. All that kind of stuff is going to be really, really tense. And the other thing that we have to remember is that they've held out the option of having eight teams in the playoffs. Now, people may query, well, why are you just eliminating one team? Well, we're still living in that COVID environment. We don't know if there are going to be games that are postponed, games that are pushed back. If everything goes to plan, it'll probably be just six teams make the playoffs. But if something goes wonky and teams have to miss games, how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, to be fair. I think the league the league has to be fair on some level and yeah. No, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I certainly hope that they get a successful, healthy season in. <laughs> Fingers crossed, I guess, at this point. Uh, anything can happen. And we certainly saw the NFL having to scramble and be really flexible on their schedules. They did manage to get everybody's games in, be it at any given day of the week. But you look at what happened in the NHL and you had poor Calgary and Vancouver finishing out the regular season after four playoff series had already begun. Um, it was kind of a sad end to their season, but they they toughed it out and got it done. But I certainly hope that we don't have that big of a adjustment to make in the CFL. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. Moving from teams to players. And the question in my mind is, who do you think is going to be somebody to watch out for in the West? Offensively, um, I'm actually going with the receiver, not one of the five all-star quarterbacks in the West. Um, I have from the Edmonton Elks, Darrell Walker. I think he had, you know, over a thousand yards, six TDs in the last season that they played with a, a healthy Harris at the helm. He's going to have a big year. Not saying that a quarterback's not going to win the MOP, but I think as far as a, a really, really solid season uh, on the receiving end, Darrell Walker's my guy. So that is your MOP pick? That's my MOP pick. I mean, he had over a thousand yards, so I can't really call it a comeback. <laughs> Who have you got, Don? My MOP is going to be Bo Levy, Mitchell. The surgery was successful. He's fit, excited, he's energized, and he puts up amazing stats. Even in 11 games in 2019, he had almost 3,500 yards passing. And the one thing, and I'll give credit to three down, the one thing that Bo is great at is bringing players whom we've never heard of before and putting them in the NFL. He he makes people look good. And this is, I think, one of the great things that he can bring to that offense is that he's the type of guy, he called in his media presser, he, he, he said he's kind of like a point guard. You know, he's a distributor. And that's a great attitude because his job is to make other people 
do their job. And by saying that, I mean that if he gets the ball out, that person now can do their job. If I put it to where they need it, they can go and do their job. And that's where I think that he's my odds-on favorite to be the MLP from the West. You could put a, a caveat on it that whichever quarterback stays healthy and starts all 14 games might be the MLP from the West. But if they if they all play all 14 games, you're giving the edge to Bo Levi as your, as your guy. Yes. I, I think that most of the quarterbacks actually will survive this season. Remember, there's no preseason games, so they don't have to play those quarters. And there's four fewer games overall. So unless it's a freak injury, it's, I do believe then that we're going to see a lot of quarterbacks who start the season finish the season. And it's been a shame, actually, the last few years where that hasn't always been the case. But I think this year, if there, if the rules are, are set in place and, and enforced properly, I do believe that we're going to see the majority of the quarterbacks, other than by fault of their own, finish the season as the starter. Yeah, I certainly don't want to see a repeat of 2019. That was such a heartbreaking year for so many quarterbacks it was really tough to watch so let's let's hope they all stay healthy and we get a really competitive west division so moving to the defensive side of the ball who have you got as your most outstanding defensive player in the west i really struggled with this but i kind of left one wide open for you and i'm just i don't think this is a bad pick though i'm going with kwaku boatang from the elks three years experience with the elks he doesn't have Sewell on the other side anymore, so he's got more pressure predicated on how much he can produce, and I do believe that he's the type of guy that can respond. And I think that's why, with an old Thorpe defense, I do believe that he's going to, he's really going to flourish because Thorpe likes to attack. Guys coming off the edge are going to be huge in his his uh, tactic. That's a, a great pick. Now I'm going to assume that were Pat able to join us this evening, he would have stolen Willie Jefferson from me for my pick. I did not go with, with Big Willie, although I think I'm foolish to not. I actually also went with an Edmonton Elks player, and I went with linebacker Vontae Diggs. Explain why, please. Well, I think um, some of the stuff that you spoke to with the, uh, with the defense of Edmonton, um, I think they're, they're much improved. You know, like I said, it, it pains me to leave Willie Jefferson out. I just assumed that, that he would be off the table and I didn't want to have another unanimous decision. So I kind of dug through a little bit and looked for somebody else that I thought was going to have a big year. He's a, a real presence for that linebacking core. Be that that guy to put the extra pressure on the quarterback if needed. Um, I think he's a, a great open field tackler. He can run down those running backs as well. And uh, I think there's there's big things coming for him this year. Given what Winnipeg did in 2019, especially that run to the Grey Cup, it would be hard to move away. Well, it's funny you should say that because if we want to shift gears to the breakout or comeback player of the year, I strongly think that Jackson Jeffcoat is that guy. He <laughs> he had decent numbers uh, playing beside Willie Jefferson. I think he had six sacks in 2019, if I remember correctly. He was an absolute menace in that Grey Cup game along with Jefferson. All that being said, there's so much focus to try to take Willie Jefferson out of the game, the double teams and that sort of thing, that he still manages to break through and make key plays. But if you're going to put all that attention on him, that's going to leave a very capable Jackson Jeffcoat one-on-one with somebody, and he is going to be devastating to some of these quarterbacks. 
it, it always works well. Uh, Charleston Hughes and Micah Johnson were teammates for quite a few years. And Micah Johnson swallowed up a lot of humanity in the middle. And that left Hughes to come off the edge. And he had tremendous stats in that tandem. Now, Hughes is in Toronto. Johnson's back in Saskatchewan. So I'm going to say big things for Jackson Jeffcoat on, on defense as a breakout season. On offense, from Calgary, I'm going with Markeith Ambles. 2019, um, 35 receptions, 407 yards. Um, if Mitchell is going to be the MOP as you predict, then expect big things from his receivers. And I think uh, Ambles is a guy that's ready to stay, ready to step up and take that next step as a, as a marquee receiver in the league. I've hinted at Micah Johnson. I think he's going to be maybe the comeback player on defense where he had a not a great 2019 and he's healthy. That's the main thing that he's going to be strong enough to do the dirty work inside to create opportunities for the guys on the edge for the Rough Riders. The other player that I thought would be a guy to watch and it may seem silly, but Michael Riley. He didn't have the greatest 2019. Now, partly because he was throwing through people as much as throwing around them to try to get anything going. 20 touchdown passes and 15 picks in 16 games. If that offensive line gets it together, Riley could slice and dice. And if he's allowed to, I think he'll be the comeback player. And he's going to be the guy that I think is going to challenge Bo Levy for being MOP out of the West. And that's why I think BC is going to be a much stronger football team because you think back to his days in Edmonton. When Mike Riley was on, that team was on. And he's the type of guy that can carry people. Mitchell's another one that can carry people. If Michael Riley can get the time back there, watch out. I think that's a great pick. I mean, he threw 20 touchdowns while running for his life an entire season and picking himself up off the ground after almost every single passing play, either sacked, hurried, knocked down, whatever. So you're right, if the BC offensive line can step up, then it's a bounce back year for him for sure. So as we get closer to this 2021 season, where's your heart rate? <laughs> well, it's it's amping up every day. Um, I was talking to somebody at work today, actually two people at work today that were telling me they're going to the Labor Day game, that neither of them are season ticket holders. They're pumped, ready to go. It's, it's great to be talking about CFL football. They're looking at crowd numbers and getting people back in the stands. Looks like things are going to be a go uh, for that as well. I'm ready. I've been following players tweeting like crazy that they've arrived in Canada. They're in their in their CFL city. They're getting ready to go. Camp's open here in a couple of days, and uh, let's get at it. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio worth watching.